VN. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Did you watch this wheat market? It is one definitely to watch. I don't know which is more exciting right now, watching oats or watching the wheat trade. But we're going to talk about what's been going on in that crop. Not only that, this Midwest weather. A lot of folks receiving two plus inches of rain. And then we'll just throw the wind in. So what does that mean? And is the market watching what we're seeing in the weather? And of course, we look at the new monthly lows that are happening in the dollar. The cattle waiting for more trade. Just a few of the things we're going to touch on today is Mike Suzalo joins us. He is with Global Commodity Analytics and I think we got to start out with the weather. I know in my backyard uh, producers here saw right around four inches plus but the wind has made some concerns and I was telling you Mike before we uh, started this program I was watching a cornfield today off in the distance it reminded me of a wheat field at harvest. You know how it just gently blows back and forth with the wind. The only problem the dance was corn not wheat. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. And uh, I think this is a key element to the supply side coming back today, Susan, and becoming a top burner issue. Uh, I think the trade had gotten more comfortable on Monday with the idea that since we were 66% harvested in corn and 73% harvested in soybeans, that we weren't going to really face any true issues. But if you drill down into the numbers, you've got some really big states big corn and big bean states that are both less than 70% equal to or less than 70% uh, harvested in corn and beans or equal to and less or less than 50% harvested in corn and beans. And when you add both of those numbers up, both corn and bean harvest, there's nine of 18 states that actually are 70% or less. And in the 70% area or less, you've got Indiana, Minnesota, Nebraska, North Dakota, South Dakota, and the corn. Um, less than 50%, you've got Ohio and Wisconsin and Michigan and, uh, and Pennsylvania as well. And that's in the corn. In the soybeans, it's kind of even more glaring. Less than 70% as Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, and Ohio, less than 50%, or right about 50 is Kentucky, Michigan, Missouri, North Carolina, and Tennessee. And the reason I bring this up is because I'm getting more calls from clients in Indiana, Illinois, uh, Kentucky. I talked to a client near Owensboro, Kentucky today, talking about how he's going to need to pick up corn with a reel, and it's going to become a lot more significant here as we get into the first week, second week of November, if we don't have have some type of warm-up. And so I do think that that was a major issue for the markets uh, that helped offset you know, what looks to be um, kind of a declining export week, both in terms of export inspections and export sales. It seems like there's been a lot of pressure, too, out there because we've been looking to have such a strong crop and, and strong numbers coming in to be able to meet these export demands. Having said that, is that going to continue, especially if we see some, some struggles getting the rest of this harvest completed? I think so, and I think one of the key things to watch, and, and we've talked about this uh, periodically on the midday, is that we've we've seen a real bounce in ethanol basis, uh, ethanol plant basis, uh, starting last week, week before. Now we're starting to see the river systems come back pretty nicely. Davenport, Iowa, up another three cents after seeing a a, multi, a, a double digit gain in basis. 
uh, I think it was just Wednesday or Tuesday that we saw that. And so we're only 22 under in Davenport. We're only 20 under in Cincinnati now. And you're talking about coming well off those uh, really low basis figures or wide basis figures. And I think that's directly related to the cash market seeing what's happening in the weather. And so as long as we keep seeing the basis firm on stronger markets uh, in the future side of the equation, and you see the spreads, therefore, firm in the futures market, then you've got a reason to think that there's more upside potential, especially with wheat leading. I, I think the last thing I'd say is that it was really surprising to me that the wheat had such strength today, given the export pace, given the Argentine rate, a few other things. It was not surprising to me to see the beans fall and, and give way again, because what you just said about the uh, the size of the crop, I think the trade's much more worried about the size of the corn crop getting out in terms of harvested production than they are the size of the bean crop, because we've got that big competitor down south that can come in and take some of our business away, because they do have excess supplies. So talk about that, and, and moving from an export standpoint, are you comfortable what we're seeing right now with barge rates? Yes, I am, especially given the fact that I am hearing that a lot of dry freight, dry bulk people are moving away from containers because of the cost and the availability and going back to normal vessels, normal cape vessels and dry bulk carriers. And that's, I think that's good for now because it's keeping our, uh, our freight rates uh, adjusted down a little bit from what the rest of the shipping industry is, go- is having to pay. And it's, getting, and it's allowing us to free up some space. Uh, because we're getting it out of the terminal uh, because we're using different ships now. But I think at some point that's going to bottleneck as well because probably everybody's going to run for the same fire exit if these container ship issues continue for another two or three months. Could we see some struggles, though, continuing for the soybeans? I'm sorry, say that again, Susan. Can, can we see the struggles continuing for the soybeans? I think so. I think this is where it goes back to the demand side of the market and the Brazilian currency. Um, what I'm hearing from my South American colleague is that we're pretty secure in the new crop soybean planting, new crop soybean fertilizer. But when it comes to the corn side of the equation, especially the second crop corn, uh, both in terms of weather, planting weather, and fertilizer uh, supply, uh, that, that's going to be a question mark, maybe as big a question mark as what we're going to have to face here in the springtime when it comes to corn planting as well, meaning will they have the physical um, supplies to be able to apply it to their fields or not. And I think in both the United States and in uh, in Brazil's second crop corn, uh, you're probably going to see the acreage base try and hold in there, but you could see a lot less yields, a lot lower yields than what you're used to. I think we kind of got to build that up in terms of how we market the 22 corn crop this year. All right, well, stick around, folks. We've got a lot more coming up. We'll finish up on the grains, jump into what's been happening on this cattle market. More is coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. For over 85 years, Fontenelle Hybrids has brought consistency to Nebraska farmers. Fontenelle dealer Dusty Mim near Sutton talks about the consistency he's seen on his own farm. We run a lot of checks with competitive products to make sure that that we're offering our customers the best product that we possibly can. And time and time again, Fontenelle has has come to the plate and hit base hit after base hit. For more, just contact your local Fontenelle Hybrids dealer or look us up on the web, Fontenelle.com. Always follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label VN. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're continuing this conversation with Mike Zuzalo. He's with Global Commodity Analytics. So I'm curious, as as we see a lot of grain 
for the most part, moving out of these fields. Are you hearing any basis concerns out there for producers? Yeah, I mean, we've got got some supply issues. There's some ground piles around uh, just because of uh, corn still being a little bit out of position and beans being a little bit out of position still from Hurricane Ida. But, yeah, I mean, the basis side of the equation is going to be a feature to this market, I think, the next 30 to 45 days, Susan, especially given in the corn we've seen such a tremendous rebound in ethanol production and the margins are still sticking up there at 50 60 cents a gallon and i would say that the basis is probably going to be really really nice for the soybean crushing areas as well because we're still stuck up around a buck 50 buck 80 a bushel when it comes to crushing soybeans and so it's very profitable to crush beans probably the best profitability i've seen maybe in six or eight months from a standpoint of both high bean oil prices and really nice uh, meal demand from the hog and, and poultry sector. So the, the new monthly low that's been happening in the dollar, both from a grain and a livestock perspective, what are we needing to keep an eye on for? Well, we've become very reliant upon the fact that you know our domestic equation is it's strong, but we're probably hitting a ceiling now because of some of the labor issues. I mean, I really was surprised um, that the hogs were able to take off like they did today. I've been talking about a potential low in the hogs, technically, and the fact that the December futures was running about 10 or $12 underneath the cash index. So I felt like a low could be coming in the hogs very easily, given especially the fact that the fat cattle market has been running $55 over the hogs on that spread. So it would look like to me the funds have been buying cattle and selling hogs. And so it didn't make uh, it didn't make a big difference to me that we saw a low in the hogs, but I was surprised at how big of a low we made and how much short covering we saw. And I say that because the second the third quarter GDP number was so disappointing of only 2% growth. I think that's along with some of the consumption numbers that I've been looking at, um, we're probably going to face, because of these higher gas prices and higher food prices, we're going to probably face some pushback at the grocery store and at the restaurant and, and still have very high labor and high wages uh, to be able to pay you know, restaurant workers, so on and so forth. So I think the export market becomes more and more important until we see that top in the supply side and the production side for beef and pork in 2022. So I had heard uh, some rumblings that from the pork perspective that we're really starting to kind of see a, a slowdown in in the processing. Are you hearing anything in that regard? I am hearing that we are essentially maxed out in the processing and it's going to be extremely difficult because of the people to hire and how much it's going to cost to pay them. It's going to be very difficult to increase or expand the the, the uh, processing capacity in the hog chain, especially. And I think this is a key element to how this market acts nowadays. We don't necessarily increase or uh, uh, increase our breeding inventory just based upon the consumer demand. It's got to be based upon what kind of ch- shackle space and chains we have running uh, to make it work because we're so vertical at this stage. But it sounds like it's aggressively moving, at least for now, on the cattle side. Yeah, I mean, I think this is where the cattle have come in as the true winner on the early part of the post-summer seasonal. It seems like beef is back in the featuring. Uh, We're seeing a lot more ad space. We're seeing a lot more restaurant um, uh, 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 featuring as well as far as specials. And I think this is really good for the beef side. I do think, though, Susan, that while the feeder cattle probably have more upside, especially if we turn into a rough winter um, and when we don't have any, you know, don't have a lot of uh, 
good weather, it's probably going to be rougher on the on the yearlings and probably rougher on the feeder side of the equation. Fat cattle probably are a little bit more hemmed in than they were maybe a month or a month and a half ago. In other words, I don't know if your retail bit market can really get much better. In fact, I think maybe we'll see the uh, pork went out a little bit more at Christmas time this year. So, what are you thinking on, on, on these prices as we as we look at the cattle in general? Is it going to be a waiting game on more trade? Because we haven't seen much cash this week. No, you're right. I think that's a, it's a really good question because we're seeing both October feeders and October fats go off essentially at the same time here as we close out this month. And it's very odd that we see this kind of an expiration on both right next to each other. And so with the October fats running just under 125, December fats running just under uh, right around 130, it would look like the December has a little bit of a premium. So my sense is, is that we can inch up the cash market maybe a dollar or two dollars more. Uh, if you could get futures back up around 133, 134, I think that's a good hedge in the December contract. All right. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Best way is to go to globalcomresearch.com. That's globalcom with two M's, research.com, and sign up for a trial. Well, thanks so much, Mike Zuzalo, joining us today. He's with Global Commodity Analytics. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss, and they're not suitable for all investors. That is today's Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers. Pick it up as a podcast at ruralradionetwork.com, on Apple and Google Play, or wherever you subscribe. That's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.